0: Live, presented by Kaleida
1: Health. Hey, how the heck are you in the middle of the week? Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Wednesday. One Bills Live is the show. Thanks for making it a part of your day. And uh, we haven't really touched on it all that much, but we will get into it today in earnest. And that would be the DeAndre Hopkins situation. More on that <laughs> in just
2: a little bit um we no we're not mm -hmm. signing deandre hopkins i mean we're not saying that we're going to talk about it in a minute so don't think that because we're one bills live we have any inside i think
1: if that happened we'd be talking about it right away we wouldn't be waiting, right
2: so so we're talking about what you're talking Mm -hmm. about and that's about the extent of it so sure yeah with a little twist you sounded you made it sound i was looking at you like you got something to say like
1: well we always have something
2: to say i I mean that's kind of why we're here like an announcement oh oh okay
1: no, not a town crier type thing at Hear all. Here
2: st- attention, attention staff, attention yeah. staff. Yeah, no, nothing like that.
1: <laughs> Big old memo.
2: I did. I looked at you like, oh my gosh, you knew something. What, what, what didn't you, what, tell what did you tell me? What didn't
1: you tell me? Yeah, we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, there are some interesting, I don't know what it is, Steve. Every time we take a look around the leak. There's always AFC East news, it seems. I don't know what it is or why that is. I understand the Jets are like this polarizing, life-sucking magnet now (laughs) that everybody's got to look at. Okay, so that's somewhat anticipated to some degree. But there's either something coming from the Patriots or something coming out of Dolphins OTAs. Like every day, practically, there's something coming out of the division. And I just don't remember that, you know, in, in seasons past, even recently where every day there's something coming out of this division. Yeah. And I just think it's going to be a division under the microscope primarily because the general consensus is there are three playoff caliber teams in the division. And I don't know that there's too and many the other divisions that you could say that about, but, right. um, Maybe the AFC North, with people expecting Pittsburgh to bounce back this year. And maybe the NFC East, if the Giants can duplicate what they did last year and Philly and Dallas continue doing what they're doing. But beyond that division, I mean, the AFC West, probably not three playoff teams. AFC South, no. You know, NFC West, not three teams good enough. Mm -hmm. NFC South, definitely not. NFC North, no again. So it's – I mean, it's arguably one of three divisions that could have three playoff teams.
2: NFC North is – you know, it's Baltimore and Cincinnati right now. Pittsburgh's in the rebuild, and Cleveland is – I think Pittsburgh's better than people think. I I do, too. Well, they were a nine-win team last year, and they – that was – and they stunk. They had a nice offseason, though. Yes, they did. Pittsburgh did. did. Yeah, they're going to be – they're going to be – so they may be back in it, and one of the other two teams, either Cincinnati or Baltimore, you know, maybe Baltimore is not quite all that with Lamar. Maybe Lamar goes and, you know, gets injured again. Who knows? But you could see maybe three out of there.
1: But it just seems like the AFC East teams are this polarizing oh my gosh. fireball yeah. that everybody's putting under the microscope well, the even York, now. Yeah,
2: Yeah, the New York Jets' expectations are like, you need a welder's mask to look at those. Yeah. I mean, they're so bright, and the way they've done the last couple of off seasons. Even you and I have always talked about how impressed we are with their last two off seasons. This one and the one before, Aaron Rodgers being the cherry on top of that ke- whole you know yeah. cake. So, and Miami doing as well as they did last year, getting to the playoffs, uh, and with the you know getting Jalen Ramsey, getting Tyreek last year. Jalen Waddell and Tua, you know, the biggest question mark they have is can Tua hang in there? Other than that, it's a pretty big one. Yeah. It, to us, it is. Other than that, man, the, the Dolphins are serious, really serious. Yeah.
1: And played the Bills tough last year in all three matchups. Uh, with that said, let's go around the NFL brought to you by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. And here's your AFC East news. Jets head coach Robert Sala says that running back Brees Hall is on track to play in the Monday night season opener week one against the Bills. Now, this is a guy that the Bills have not seen on the field yet in the NFL. Right. He missed both games against the Bills last year because he tore his ACL two weeks prior to the Bills-Jets' first matchup in week nine, tore his ACL in week seven. Matter of fact, this was his last touchdown run before he injured himself um, that our MSG viewers are watching right now. So, apparently, he's already hitting 22 miles per hour on the GPS tracking.
2: 22 miles. Dude, that's fast.
1: But there are dissenting opinions on it saying, "Eh, you know, he's still going to be rusty. He did this in the middle of last season, not the beginning. So, it's not like he's closing in on a year. You know, that he tore it. so, But Salah said this, quote, he looks good. Again, he's one of those kids that we kind of have to hold back from him because it's weird to say you don't want to heal too fast on an ACL. You've got to be able to balance it out with strength. He looks strong. He looks powerful. He's learning. I'm excited for him to get back on the field. I feel like he won't need to be limited during training camp, even though we still will just – Try to be conscientious and cautious with him, but he looks yeah.
2: awesome. He's he's a really good player. Now I don't know what he's going to be like after this, but he took us. It was a serious injury, and to have him back on week one is fast by any yeah. measure. It's usually a calendar year before they even get into the ballpark of saying okay, you, right, you, listen, you know, you can start easy. Well, every back case in. is different, and every there are freaks of
1: there are freaks of nature like Adrian Peterson who Same came thing. back from an ACL in 7 months and lit it up. Right. Like
2: nothing happened. It's like what the what? Yeah. He was ridiculous. So there's that op- there's that out there. But for the most part, I mean you get guys like Tradavius White. I mean, it took him a minute, calendar year. Yeah, exactly. and now, and now to play. And now eighteen months about after that, maybe maybe twenty months after that, he is like himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks exactly I mean, he's acting the same, running the same. Same commitment. You can't you can't tell a difference but from pre injury. And I don't know how he feels about it, but yes. And then there's those guys, like the seven monthers who you know, Every injury is different. Every guy is different. That's why there's a lot of variables, and they're all different timetables. But yeah. to have Brees Hall back in game one for the next season? That'd be big for them. Very big, because that guy was headed for Offensive Rookie of the Year.
1: Which his teammate ended up winning anyway. Which
2: his teammate ended up winning, which is why the Jets have expectations that are brighter than the sun with mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers taking snaps.
1: And I would tend to think that Brees Hall sees a ton more light boxes this year than he saw last year with Zach Wilson as his quarterback. That could be stacking eight in the box with Aaron Rodgers. That's right. So he could could potentially be even more productive than he was through the first seven games last year. From a current Jets running back, Steve, to a former one, one Le'Veon Bell admits to smoking pot before games. I don't think it's outlandish, especially this day and age, that players probably smoke. I I would guess the percentage is probably higher than most people realize. But before the game, like, guys are doing smelling salts to get hyped before a game. This guy's sparking up. Yeah. It is not a stimulant. I mean, right?
2: Guys... Well, I'll say this, and I'm I, I'm not condoning it at all. I'm just saying what I. When you're in a locker room, and you probably experience this as a, as a soccer player, you get into a, a, a sport, particularly professionally, where it's your livelihood, and you got you know people that depend on you, and you put nobody puts more pressure on these guys than themselves. Yeah, and they have to cope with it somehow. I I'm I used to. Struggle with it at times as well, where it, you just feel so. Um, I don't know. What, it's like you. You just feel like if you, it, it all falls on you. Yeah. The team falls on you. The win falls on you. The loss falls on you. If you don't play well, you're letting a lot of people down. And guys have to find a way to cope with that mentally. Okay. And some guys. Hey, you know, it used to be – and when I came in the league, there See, were still guys that smoked
1: yeah. cigarettes.
2: I'm yeah. talking – professional yeah. athletes yeah.
1: smoking cigarettes. Well, I remember Dave Parker, the Pittsburgh Pirates outfielder, smoking in the dugout. Right. <laughs> Keith Hernandez. So, I mean, and
2: I'm not saying they did that to cope with <laughs> pressure, but there, there were a lot of things going on that guys did to get by, you know, mentally. Okay. So
1: your, your, your theory or your hypothesis is Le'Veon Bell was using it as a coping mechanism.
2: Uh, I, okay. would, I would. I don't know, Le'Veon Bell. I'm it,
1: guessing. Here's his direct quote. Looking back on this, that's what I did. When I was playing football, I smoked, bro, even before the games. I'd smoke, and I'd go out there and run for 150 and two touchdowns. Then, when Bell finally left the Steelers with his highly documented contract dispute, went to the New York Jets in 2019, the Jets coach at the time, Adam Gase, came under criticism from Bell, who said, quote, bro, we get to New York and that's when you instantly find out that head coaches make a huge difference. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. As soon as I get to New York, I find out the first week the team wasn't that great. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like if Coach Tomlin was coaching that team, we'd win nine games at least. It's to the point where Sam Darnold didn't even know the actual line's protections because he's so confused about our offense
2: because our coach is confusing him. Yeah, there's a little bit of stress in that work environment, huh? And And I'll say this, too. (laughs) I guess maybe I would smoke before the game.
1: (laughs) If I was in that situation, (laughs) you got the quarterback who doesn't know the protections and you're running behind a line that looks like a bunch of fifth graders compared to what you were running behind in Pittsburgh maybe it maybe it is
2: Dude, that's supposed no maybe sense. it's time that is so give me you know what just you know you got a lighter yeah. um think about I, I don't want to make light of it lighter, but, I, but I, it's funny but think about the pressure that guy must have felt coming to new york all the all that Way to the media attention and added stress now that he is, you know, because of his contract dispute in Pittsburgh. And then on a bad team. Yeah, that that's a lot of that's a lot of mental pressure and going from Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh to Adam Gase in New York and the and the dumpster fire that was
1: I'm telling you, I think a lot of players, when they're dropped into a very healthy coaching situation, as their first NFL experience, take it for granted. They have no concept of how bad it can really be elsewhere. Listen, and Bell found out firsthand.
2: I've I've seen the mountaintops, and I have been through the valleys as well. We've witnessed, it we've witnessed it, and and a lot of Bills fans have. And let me tell you something: the mountaintops are better. You. It, it, it you, you tend to take it for granted when the air is fresh and the view is clear. Yeah. Um, and that, it's obvious that's how. There's that's no what question. How, Bell's realization. And was now too. it's easy for us to sit here and say, what do, you, "What do you think? What do you think that was going to be? You think yeah. Mike Tomlin? Like, do you think every guy's like Mike Tomlin? I don't even play – I never played for him, and I know that guy's different. Yep. I mean, you just never. How can you never consider that? Let alone he left fifteen million bucks on the table, right, and it will never get it back. It's like he may as well have literally lit it on fire and if and if he stayed in Pittsburgh and granted
1: that line began to decline by twenty twenty but
2: with he, that franchise, they would have had
1: a much better career oh he'd have been a Hall of
2: famer. I was just
1: going to say he could have
2: been a he could have been a Hall, Hall of, of fame famer player and the Pittsburgh Steelers organization is smart enough to get you know what we need to fix that let's fix it. They get Le'Veon Bell signed up. Ben is on his way down. Let's get some draft some offensive linemen. Let's get some guys in here and get some competition and see if we can bolster Ben with Le'Veon and the guys up front. Oh my gosh, it was, it's yeah simple. Yeah. But and so he goes to the Jets and plays for Adam Gase and watches that thing just burn. The, and the best
1: part was Adam Gase didn't even want him. You remember that? I, yeah, that's right. He didn't even want I him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so
2: fun to talk See, about the I Jets. I liked like it this. when the Jets were Jets. Wasn't that, it, the was Jets much, were the it was a Jets-iest. lot more fun. When the Jets were the Jetsiest. Now they're now they're a good football team and they run well. They got a good coach and they got some talent. That they're states, less Jetsy. They're not Jetsy like they used to be. Um,
1: the Patriots, however, are a different story. Fresh off their two-game OTA violation penalty, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick addressed the media for the first time today after they were docked those two OTA practices for violating offseason rules. He took responsibility and gave a typical Belichick quote, the whole situation is in the past, it's resolved, and we've moved on. It's right, we're on it's right up there with we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Um, the whole penalty stemmed from a snafu with coach scheduling that resulted in players spending more time at the facility than is allowed. It's a maximum
2: of four hours per day at this time of the year. Even though, you know, I've never had, you know, love loss for the for the Patriots. You no, know, even I had a hard time getting my dander up about that one. I mean, Really? Yeah. They wrote it down, which is basically what happened. It's so, fun to snicker about it, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, the reply is: hey, the, situa- the whole situation's in the past. It's resolved. We moved on. <laughs> right.
1: Typical Belichick. That
2: is quintessential. Special teams coach
1: Joe Judge was uh, reported by Greg Bedard from the Boston Globe to be the guilty party responsible for the scheduling snafu and putting players over. The time limit of four hours. So I gotta believe though that some player tipped off the NFLPA on that, right? Because how else uh, would they know what the schedule they, looks like? Oh, st- oh no, they had a rep there. I saw it reported that they there had was an a representative, NFLPA, rep
2: NFLPA there. Rep representative there, which I don't know even know what that means. Talk I mean, about terrible timing. It's interesting when they when, do visit the practices. Yes, when I was, uh, in, we've seen them here. When I was playing, you'd always you'd always say, you know, yeah, yeah, we. – there's an observer in today or whatever. And they go, well, what's that mean? I don't know. He's just, you know, the guy come out and watch yeah. practice. And NFL he, and, PA. And basically what they would do literally would count be count heads. You can't have more guys out there than you have roster spots or injured reserve or whatever. And they would count heads and take names uh, without us even knowing it, you know, from the press box or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, the NFL, when they do get around to enforcing the rules – they do a pretty good job of it. But by and large, as we've seen, it's up to the clubs to follow the rules. They don't they don't have a – there is no enforcement arm of the National Football League. There's only levying fines and, you know, taking draft picks. They certainly can mete out punishment, but there's nobody out there looking for this stuff. And, it, you know, n- notably – The Indianapolis Colts said, Hey, there's a ball that's kind of half flat over here. We're going to check that out. And all of a sudden, it turns into a deflate gate. And then you got guys who say, Hey, who's that up in in a Super Bowl walkthrough? Who's that up in the tunnel filming our walkthrough? Oh my gosh, it's the Patriot guys. You know, stuff like that. Hey, what are you doing in our locker room? I'm just, you know, you're what? You're a Patriots employee and you got NFL, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. That stuff gets out. But there's yeah. no enforcement arm. it's either somebody catching them doing something catching a team doing something or this observer comes in and finds a little a parking ticket like this, yeah, and says, "Hey, excuse me you can't you can't do that
1: Belichick was docked with a fifty thousand dollar fine. <clears throat> is Joe judge paying that
2: in if some he, way shape or form yes if, if, <laughs> If he cares about job security, he probably <laughs> he, is. He's in one way or another. He's paying for that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. know. Uh, listen, fifty grand. That's not even a. That's I not know. even a weekend. I in know Vegas for them, for it's guys. not a big deal. But these guys go to Vegas and spend two hundred. Right. You know. So um, yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: NFL.com put together a list of the ten most explosive runners of twenty twenty two based on next gen stats, and Josh Allen was one of three quarterbacks to show up on the list. He ranked ninth in the top 10. He had um, an explosive score of 84, but he had 26 runs of 10 yards or more. He had 44 runs of 15 miles per hour or more. So a big play producer with his legs as much as his feet. The other two quarterbacks, Steve, to appear on this list Lamar Jackson, who ranked fourth, and Justin Fields, who was number one after his 1,000-yard rushing season as a quarterback last year, and the Bills got a, somewhat of a dose of that in the Christmas Eve game. He he didn't a bit. he didn't go off running. They were conscious of him as a runner, and I thought they actually tackled pretty well in that game. So Fields didn't really
2: go off with his legs on the Bills. But he did against a bunch of other teams. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And he, he had a nice season, and I think it's one of those seasons that it, it was <clears> – <throat> I hate to say it, but it's a lot like Josh Allen's first year, you know? 89
1: runs that went for 15 miles per hour or more. It
2: was the most in the NFL. Um, yeah, I don't know. The miles per hour thing, I don't know about. But if we go back – And I'm going to get this while we're in this break. I'm going to go back. We'll come back to it, I'm sure. But I want to find out, you know, what Josh Allen's statistics were his rookie season. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, in terms of rushing?
2: Yeah. I'm going to go back and find it here. Yeah.
1: I mean, Josh has topped 20 miles per hour. I know that. I believe he last did that in 2021. I don't know if he's still doing it now.
2: Yeah, I don't either. He had 89 rushes his rookie season. Josh yeah. did for 630 yards. Now, he didn't have That's that. That's
1: not as high. I think his career high is like 763, 763 rushing yards. Well, let me see.
2: Well, that Which was might have been
1: 2021. I, th- I want to say is uh, his career yeah, high for rushing
2: yards. 510 in his second year, 510 yards in his second year. 2020 might have been the year, though. That was the year he kind of. No, nah, 421 is. 30, yeah, was, I think it was 21. 21. Okay. 763. That is correct. 763. There you go. And six TDs. That's his career high in rushing. Yeah, that was – Single season. Right. So, yeah, that – but he was – you know, we were having this conversation and I I caught it on a tweet and sent it out to the group here in our control room. You know, everybody worries about Josh and his durability because he takes some hits and he runs the ball and yada, yada, yada. He has the longest active streak of consecutive games started in the NFL of any quarterback. Anybody.
1: Active, yeah.
2: Active streak. That's like, what is it, 71 games in a row Josh Allen has started for the Buffalo Bills. Nobody else has, I don't think anybody else has 60. So, our guy shows up on game day, and he's available. Now, certainly we know this, he's, he's played through some stuff. hmm But... I mean, Mahomes has got – his streak is 35, less than half. So it's – as much as we worry about the big boy – the big guy, <laughs> he, he seems to line up every every week and play. That's good. Sure. It does
1: not appear that Aaron – speaking of not playing, it doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers is doing much at OTAs again for the Jets. He was on a stationary bike, has a sleeve on his uh, tweaked calf. So, enjoy that. Uh, I –
2: I'm thinking about Aaron Rodgers a little bit, like I'm thinking about Tua, Tua and, and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. You get to a point; some of these guys, it's like you just can't depend on them. And it, Father Time is always going to be undefeated. And Aaron Rodgers uh, has gone more rounds with Father Time than most of these guys. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, same kind of thing. You got to wonder if he's starting. You know, he played. 126 of 128 possible games when mm-hmm. he was in Arizona and Houston. Never missed a game. And now he's played in 15 of 34. So uh, over the last 2 seasons. So I'm I'm kind of chilly on old guys right now. Chilly. Yeah. I'm kind of cooled off on old guys.
1: Well, that brings us to our topic of dis- discussion, Steve. So excellent segue there. Um, as we take a look at the DeAndre Hopkins situation, he is now officially a free agent. There was talk that he was going to be released over the weekend that did not formally take place until actually yesterday when he was officially released by the Arizona Cardinals. And so he is a free agent now. Uh, He has supposedly been in touch with a few teams, but the interest in getting Hopkins signed has been described by more than one reporter as lukewarm at best. And I think it's due in part to the fact that Hopkins believes after watching Odell Beckham Jr. get $15 million for one season from the Baltimore Ravens and didn't even play football last year, that he should be able to command a comparable salary. The problem is if he wants to do something even remotely close to that, it's either going to have to be very heavily incentive-laden and not be $15 million right off the cuff. Um, that's option one. Option two is to go to a team that has enough cap space to accommodate his financial demands, which is most likely a team that's not going to be winning anytime soon. So he's got a decision to make here, ultimately. One... How much less money am I willing to take at the cost of winning a championship? Or is money still the most important thing to me? Because I, I don't know that he's going to find a situation that's going to offer him both. This right. late in the offseason, when teams have largely gobbled
2: up all of their available cap space for anybody of any significance. You know what I'm thinking? Of, you know, Outside of the obvious ones that we've all been talking about, Kansas City and Buffalo, you know who a team that would be, I think, the dark horse to come in and throw some money at the guy? Because I don't think it's a smart investment at this point of his career. It would be Cleveland. Right. I mean, they've been mentioned. Uh, Deshaun Watson could use a guy, and they've got a history together, of course, from their time in Houston before everything. Think about think about the lap we've taken since those two were in Houston. And so and – so, that I think that's the spot where a team like Cleveland, knowing how they like to do Cleveland Brown tight type things, like Jetsy things, mm-hmm. spend money on the wrong thing, I think DeAndre Hopkins might be the wrong guy to spend the money on. I'm I'm just tipping my hand as to my opinion about. Yeah.
1: I mean, I get the connection there. I mean, no one's throw more touchdown passes to DeAndre Hopkins than Deshaun Watson. So I understand the premise. I know New England has also been raised as a possibility because of the connection to Bill O'Brien, who was his head coach in Houston. Right. uh, And, you know, drew up a scheme that
2: made him very, very, very productive. He traded him. He also traded him. Uh, My my thing about DeAndre Hopkins – if he if he were to come to your team, say the Bills or the Chiefs or whatever, we're talking about a team here already that was thirteen and three, lost three games by a total of eight points, and let's say they lose in Cincinnati, so they're thirteen and four. Um, if DeAndre Hopkins comes in, what is the minimum minimum you would accept as production and availability? to say it was the right move to get. I think the minimum would be he's got to make a difference in two of those three two of the four losses that you took, right? Like the the first Miami game and the Minnesota game. Say he makes a play, you end up winning those games and you're 14 and 2 now and you're the one seed. But because he's 32, he's done week 15 of the season. You don't see him. Mm. That would be almost minimum Right. Right? The Because other... he's got to make those plays and be that guy for at least a minute to help you win two games. Now, those two games, you have to think that you would have lost them without him. And I don't know that there's a game on the Bills schedule that you would say DeAndre Hopkins would be the guy that would put you over the top of those games, right? Okay. The bar is really high for him to come in and make a difference on this roster. It's high. Yeah, for a team that was highly successful. I get it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And I'm not saying he can't do it because we've seen the guy play. Right. But for me, the highlight of his entire career was a Hail Mary of his entire career.
1: Yeah. I mean, he did a lot of good things in Houston. It's just Houston was largely irrelevant for much of his playing career down there, his best years. I mean, he had a lot of production, but not a lot of winning. I think they won, like, two playoff games in the time he was there with Deshaun Watson. Right. So the question on the table, though, for you as a Bills fan is this. Would adding DeAndre Hopkins be more about helping the Bills or about keeping him from being on the Kansas City roster? <laughs> what where does, where does the motivation lie for you? We know that GM Brandon Bean doesn't think that way. But I, I get the sense from Bills fans that I've talked to, there's there a portion of the fan base that would be excited about what he could do in the Bills offense. And then there's other people that when I cross paths with them, they just say to me, as long as he doesn't go to Kansas City. Right. So I, I'm curious as to the breakdown of the Bills fan base on this. So would adding DeAndre Hopkins for you be more about how he can help the Bills or that you're keeping them off Kansas City's roster. 803 0550 1 888 550 2550, the number to get on board. You let us know how you feel about that subject. We do have to take a break, but when we come back, it is your phone calls and your tweets at One Bills Live on the tweet sheet here on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live, set to take your phone calls as we're asking you: Would adding DeAndre Hopkins be more about helping the Bills or keeping him from Kansas City? Because uh, I've I've heard mixed opinions from Bills fans that I've crossed yeah, paths <laughs> with over the last few days, uh, and one is one is firmly in in the he's going to be great for the Bills camp, and the other people right. is like just
2: if, don't let him get on Kansas City's yeah. roster. If you've got if you've listened to the radio. Here in Buffalo, or if you've got any social media that follows any, you know, sports guys like us in Buffalo, you know, this DeAndre Hopkins thing has been a conversation for a while now. And the reason we put this topic out there is because a lot of people are said just what Brownie said. I don't care if we get him or not. Just don't let the chiefs get him. Yeah. Like, I don't care if I get him, but if you don't get him, I'm happy. And. (laughs) I can't think of another time when I remember this ever happening. Um where if I don't have them, you can't have them either. Yeah. kind of thing. But it's pretty interesting that it's these two teams that uh, and the bill, you know, the Chiefs are living rent-free in our heads anyway because of the way our seasons have ended of late. Right. Not in the last year, not uh, not including last year obviously.
1: Let's go to the phone, see what you think at 803 550 888 550 2550 the number to get on board. There is an open line for you there if you want to Join us, but we lead off today with Gary in Louisiana. What do you got for us, Gary? Hey guys,
3: how y'all doing? Good. And what's the weather up there like? First thing.
1: Okay. What do you say? I, I I missed that, what's, Gary. What what's you your said? weather? Oh, it's beautiful up there. What's your weather here. like? It's, it's 85. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, it's about 95
3: here with the heat index.
1: Okay. You guys are
3: Anyway, right? oh yeah, well about another week it'll be 105. <laughs> All right. um, about your poll question, yeah, yeah, I think uh I think both. I hate to say it, I know I have more tend for the Chiefs not to get him, so I would agree there. But he would help us tremendously, and obviously we want to keep him away from Kansas City. Let him sign with Cleveland, Detroit, then I'd be happy if he doesn't sign with us.
1: Okay, so as long, so you might, <laughs> even though you you believe firmly that he could help the Bills if he obviously signs with Buffalo. You could be almost equally as happy if he goes to a team not named the Chiefs.
2: Well, yeah, just like, oh, I'm sure you feel the same way. We yeah. don't need him to go to Kansas City. Yeah, I don't know. I, there's, a, there's a scenario where if he went to Kansas City, it would absolutely be an okay thing for the rest of us who are chasing Kansas City. It would be like this. He goes in there, signs an enormous deal, puts Kansas City under some cap stress, and then he goes down with an injury early in the season, which is – the scenario that I kind of think is maybe more probable than not. So that is the big scary thing about signing a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, paying him all the money. Because if you're paying him all the money and you get the guy that he was five years ago, it's a bargain. Because he can go. But I don't know if he can run anymore. And I don't know if he can stay healthy anymore. He can probably still catch. And he's probably still get a little bit of – his name has a little cachet, at least with un, until you start seeing him play if he earns it or not. Mm-hmm. But I think the downside is that you have to invest – it looks like you're going to have to invest so much to get him in the door that if he doesn't stay healthy, you wish Kansas City would get him. Mm. So they'd have the, they'd have 15 million bucks in their cap taken – and a guy sitting on the sideline.
1: I don't think he's going to command that kind of money. I really don't. I think he's he's probably looking at more like eight or nine, I think, top, tops. Because I just don't think the teams that are most interested have the money to give him. Even if Here's, they move – and they're all going to have to move somebody off the roster to pay that kind of money unless you structure it with voidable years and you spread out a signing bonus or whatever, which you could do, um, but you continue to kick the can down the road that way, and the Chiefs and the Bills are – not in the business of doing too much of
2: that. He signed an agent. The agent's not going to let him do anything that's not top dollar. He's going to take a bag of money and play wherever that bag of money takes him. Unless he says not to, because even though he's got an agent now, it's ultimately his decision. Yeah, of course. I mean the agent works for him. Of course. But he's not going to pay for he's not going to play like you're you're he's right. not playing for peanuts. You're right. Well, no, eight nine million isn't peanuts. No, it's not. That's why I'm it saying it is compared to seventeen. He was going to make this year. Well, no, he wasn't because Arizona was not going to keep him on the roster for that. That's what his contract says, is what I'm saying. Yeah. If if nothing had changed, he was going to make 19.45. That's the kind of money he commanded when he was at his best. That's a big jump going from 19 down to 8 or Mm 9. And somebody out there is going to need to sell a couple of tickets and say, if we get him – We're going to get a bump in our season tickets. The contract will be paid for in three days. Let's get him in here for a year and do that. And it'll be, you know, Houston Texans will give him a homecoming. The Cleveland Browns will give him a reunion with his former quarterback. The Bears will make a splash. You pick your team. Who cares? That's what will happen. Somebody, we've seen it too many times, is going to give him a bag of cash and he's going to take it. And that, look, Brownie. Here we go. That's the way it's going to be. <laughs>
1: That's the way it's going to be. You are you are like resolutely convinced he's going to take the money and not the chance to win when he's won nothing. It's, I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be the first guy, but I don't know. I'm very curious because we've seen what he said. He said on podcasts he'd prefer to play with a, you know. Super Bowl yeah, caliber nobody quarterback.
2: Says no. Nobody's going to come out there and say that. Nobody. No, I'm just putting you know, the highest bidder gets me. All right. <laughs> you know nobody's well, going to say not, that. Then he's not playing for Buffalo or Kansas City. Uh, I don't think so. Probably not. Right. I unless I, I will be surprised. Now, unless we find out later that the that the interest everywhere was not what we think. There was ne- there was yeah. zero teams who were willing to give him what fifteen.
1: Well, according to SI. dot com's Albert Breer, the only teams that actively engaged in trade talks with the Arizona Cardinals were Buffalo and Kansas City when he was still on the trade block.
2: So the interest is. It was also reported they couldn't.
1: Neither one of them could get him to take a restructured deal It would fit. That is true. So. But what I'm saying is, even the in the exploratory phase, only
2: Buffalo and Kansas City really got down to brass tacks to talk turkey. Well, he's. It's been reported now too that when the OBJ contract came down, well, that changed everything. And when OBJ signed for fifteen million, well, that's when D trading Hop, became impossible. Right? D Hop said, "That's my number." Yeah, because he knew nineteen point four five wasn't going to happen. Because you get to the end of the deal, and it's like, oh, I was injured. Like I said, fifteen. But then, then a guy that didn't 15, even play last year gets right. fifteen. He's like, 15 well, hold on of, a second. I've been better than him and more consistent, and I've played. Right. <laughs> So yeah. he's but now he's played 15 out of the last 34 games. The only reason the OBJ didn't play last year was because he sat out because he got injured in the Super Bowl the year before. Yeah. So he, you know, he just the timing couldn't have been worse for him. So he wasn't going to play. So who's got that's a great question. Who's got the better leverage if in a vacuum? OBJ coming off an injury or DeAndre Hopkins? who's got a huge contract and has been injured. Well,
1: Timing has a lot to do with it also. At this stage in the offseason, there aren't as many teams with as much cap money well, to I get spend. That. In a yeah, in a vacuum though, you tell me. Who do you take? If DeAndre Hopkins gets cut March 17th, he gets his money. Doesn't he? He gets his money. 32 teams in the pool, he gets 30, he gets his money. Yeah. Getting cut Maybe. now He's not going to get his money.
2: Yeah. At least,
1: and, you know. Well,
2: he's going to get, get something, mm-hmm. but he still gets 30, 31, 32 teams coming at him saying, okay, you can come back now for this. So he's not. I don't he, know. He that that get many discounted. Teams are his money farm. might get discounted, no question. But he's, he's not going to get nothing.
1: No. Well, we'll see. I, I think it's going to be. I think the alarm bells are going off as to how much the. He's going to be June, able to command this late in the game. The That's June the 1st
2: spot. cut down. The, the June well, yeah, we'll get
1: into that. In is the, a big deal. In the next segment. But let's get back to the phones and go to Dave in Williamsville next. Uh, Dave, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live.
0: Hey, guys. Um, as far as focus on the Bills or um, Kansas City, uh, my focus would be more so on the Bills, and I would want him on the Bills, and at that Point. I would figure that if, the, as long as the bills are the best that they can be, the rest would take care of itself. As far as the player is concerned, I did like his pro his per game production last year. If the injuries, if the medicals don't show a high likelihood of a re injury, I think because his game is not predicated necessarily on speed, I yeah, think that fun. he could age well. And the the, the main point is, I think. Him alongside of Diggs makes it much harder for defenses to game plan in the playoffs and say we're going to take out Diggs um, because he's a more proven and consistent commodity than Gabe Davis is in my opinion. So I think from a game planning standpoint, I think he might be the extra little something that could maybe stifle a, a defensive game plan from the Cincinnati's of the world.
1: Yeah, I get it. That's that's well thought out, Dave. I would I would tend to agree with that. Uh, don't don't make a mistake. Don't m- make no mistake. I mean, we're we're not saying he wouldn't provide value to the Bills roster. He un- unquestionably would. Um, this is more of a financial decision and than it's, anything else for the
2: primary teams reported to be involved. And it seems because of his age and his recent past to be more of a risk for the team that signs him. He has not stayed healthy in the last two years.
1: Well, he was out on a PED suspension. Well, he last had six, year for game, six games.
2: Six games. He was out with a PED, but he's so.
1: So beyond that, he's missed nine of the last thirty-four games. That's not horrible for
2: a thirty-year-old receiver. Well, he's yeah, but he's not nine young. out of thirty-four. But he's games. not younger. Yeah, he's he's even older now.
1: All right, that's fair.
2: I mean, I that's the risk, though. Nevertheless, it, there is some hesitation because when the when the end comes for some of these guys, it comes fast. Uh, and I don't know if you take the PED suspension as a plus or a minus. You, it's your own opinion. If he's if he's a PED guy, maybe the age maybe the age cliff doesn't happen to him mm. as yeah. fast or faster. And if he had to stop and it comes faster, then yeah. then there's the risk. We have to take a break here. But more of your
1: phone calls when we return. We'll also discuss why a deal hasn't happened yet. It has something to do with the NFL calendar and moving from the month of May to the month of June. We'll explain next here on one bills live presented by Kaleida health. It's Buffalo bills radio. All right. Welcome back to one bills live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on a Wednesday asking you would adding Deandre Hopkins as a bills fan, be more about helping the bills or keeping him off Kansas city's roster. You can let us know at 803-0550. We go to Tom on the West Side next. What do you have for us, Tom?
3: Hey guys, how you doing Good. this afternoon? It's beautiful to hear. Uh, listen, I got a couple things. First of all, it's an Andor. I, I'm looking at it as a computer analyst. It's an Andor situation. And we add them to our roster. And he becomes a Buffalo Bill. And, yeah, we're going to be a Super Bowl favorite if we get him. Or we give him away to Kansas City. Or I even heard Cleveland is in the running. Because Deshaun Watson openly stated that he would love to be reunited with him. Now I got one more thing. And this one's more direct for, for Steve. Since all the football players like to play golf in the off season, do you think in the Pro Bowl everybody should try to hit a hole in one on a par three?
1: Okay, all right. Um,
3: I'm going to let you guys ponder that for a second and respond. All right, okay. thanks, Tom.
2: Thanks, Appreciate Tom. it. Nice call. And you're right. It is and or if you get if you. If you get DeAndre Hopkins, the, the theory is, and spin it as positive as you want, you get better. The Chiefs get worse. Well, no, they don't get worse. They're the same. And the same thing. If, if D Hop goes to Kansas City, you don't get worse. You just you're the same team uh, that you would have been without him. Uh, so it's not like and or um, all these teams, most of them have to feel like, particularly the ones that were in contention last year, Kansas City's, Cincinnati's, Buffalo's. Um, you name it, all of them. Miami, all these teams feel like they've gotten better this offseason. The Patriots feel like they've gotten better. Obviously, the Jets feel like they've gotten better. All these teams come into this season thinking we're going to be better. And if if you look at the Buffalo Bills, they would have been significantly better had they just not sustained a couple of injuries, like one to Josh Allen's elbow, Von Miller's knee, Micah Hyde's neck. And not least of which, Damar Hamlin's, Heart. So if, you know, three or four injuries uh, you, with the same roster, and you got to feel like your team would have been much, much better a year ago. So you get these guys back healthy, and you get draft picks, you get deeper at other positions, you bring in upgrades at other positions free agent wise or draft. So all these teams feel like they've gotten better already. So, yeah, I, the more I talk about the DeAndre Hopkins thing and what we would, that the Bills would get and what the Kansas City Chiefs would get or the Cleveland Browns would get, he's not the same guy who would tip the scale as much as he would have four or five years ago. That's all I can say. He is not the same guy. He's good, but when he was at his best, he was phenomenal. Now, phenomenal three years late might be really good, but it might not be really durable. You don't know. You can't. We never. I don't know. So, I'm, he's – it'd be fun. It'd give us a lot of stuff to talk about if we got DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins. I just don't know. But Diggs is the real guy. If you get Diggs and D-Hop, then you've got some expectations attached to it with Gabe Davis, with Hardy, with Shakir. Shorter, Shakir, all these – yeah. And, and Kincaid and sure – not. Fear. yeah. I mean, all of a sudden you're going, oh, yeah, I want to see these guys, you know. Right.
1: The other thing to consider here, because some have asked, why hasn't something happened already? The two teams that are widely reported to be in the hunt here, namely the Bills and the Chiefs, both have tight cap situations. Neither of them have more than $3 million in cap space right now. And so you say, well, what's the holdup? Well, the holdup is once you get past June 1st, if you release a player, because both teams are going to have to move somebody off their current roster to accommodate the presumed incoming salary of DeAndre Hopkins. If you do it after June 1st, you can push that money into next year, or at least some of it, So, depending on the contract. So, it could be an exercise in calendar economics where you can push money and a cap hit into next year as opposed to this year if you've determined we need to get DeAndre Hopkins on our roster. So, The other shoe could drop in a day or two, knowing today is the last day of May. So just something to think about going forward. Uh, We do have to take a break here because we're at the top of the hour. Uh, And coming up in the second hour of the show, we are going to talk more about just what kind of DeAndre Hopkins, the Bills or the Chiefs or whoever lands him might be getting to help us with that. We will have the co-host of the Believing Cardinals podcast, Ed Smith, former NFL tight end, joining us next. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio.
0: Live, presented by Kaleida Health.
1: Here we are in hour number two. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and pleased to be joined in hour number two by former NFL tight end, co-host of the Believe in Cardinals podcast, and host of the Easy Sports Talk Show on KDUS 1060 AM in Phoenix. It is one Ed Smith joining us to talk a little D hop as uh, he is now available as a free agent. Uh, First, Ed, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. So let's so let's begin here because I think most people would like to know, like, what version of DeAndre Hopkins could be expected if he joins their club. You know, at age 31, uh, we know he missed six games last year with a PED suspension. Where where do you come down on where D Hop is at this point in his career in terms of making an impact in a passing game?
4: He's still in the uh, upper echelon of, red, of of wide receivers, obviously uh, not in his prime, in my opinion. And then you take into account the obviously the suspension for the PEDs uh, last year, what role they might play uh, with him moving forward. You know, uh, D. Hop is he's a little bit of a complicated man. You know, especially with his tenure out here in Arizona, uh, was is a guy who didn't particularly like to practice much, but when he was on the field, you know, we got the best of him, you know, so it's going to be a little bit of a mystery moving forward, in my opinion, in terms of what to expect from him. I still think he's got a lot left in the tank. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be some issues with the salary. You know, he might have to take a little bit of a cut on that, but, you know, he's still one of those guys that if you have him out there uh, uh, in, in your formation, he's He's going to somebody. Somebody you've got to, to game plan for and respect. What is the vibe around the the Arizona club? I mean, how do they feel about having to let him go?
2: What was he like? What kind of culture fit was he? Were they kind of good riddance when they let him? I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously. They did. They didn't want to let the guy yeah. go. But well, you know, what was their vibe about having to let the guy go because of the contract?
4: Well, we're in a total rebuild out here right now, and and the other issue is we have new. Uh, management and, and our GM and head coach. So they're taking over the mess that was uh, Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. So, you know, they're coming in and we, we you're looking at this roster and the moves that they've made to this point. This is not – and then you throw in the fact that uh, uh, our, our quarterback is hurt uh, with the ACL, won't be back midseason at best, and then you take into account maybe they don't even play them all season. So this season is somewhat a wash. With DeHop being here, it would have been kind of paying like insurance for a Rolls Royce when you're actually driving around in a Pinto, that type of thing. So with, you know, the thought is, hey, you know, it's probably not in our best interest to keep him here. With letting him go, it was, you know, my shock was that they didn't figure out some way to trade him and get something in return. And my, my suspicion is that teams that were interested were like, you know, not really interested in that Uh that uh, paycheck that he's going to be getting. So, in releasing him, teams get a little bit of a break. They can, you know, go out and get him as a free agent and negotiate with him straight out, rather than you know making any bids for him and having to pay for that huge contract. Ed, where do you think Hopkins comes
1: down if he's forced into making a decision between getting top dollar in what could be one of his last big contracts or? Going somewhere where he can win, but may not get paid as much. Where, where just being around in the last three plus years, where do you think he comes down on that at this stage in his career?
4: He seems like a guy that at this stage wants to win. And, you know, he's made enough money to this point where it shouldn't be a major issue for him. But, you know, I, I wish I could speak for him. But we all can't. It's going to come down to where he kind of decides what is more important to him at this stage. If it was me, you know, I would say, hey, I'm going to go somewhere where it's more built around the winning culture. I'd love to maybe get a ring in my career. Uh, but who knows, you know? And in his situation, it might, you know, and, and throw into account for these last few years, he's actually represented himself. So, you know, he's been negotiating contracts by himself. And I think just recently he went out and got an agent maybe because of some of the confusion and things that are, you know, going to face him with this, like you mentioned, last big contract. So maybe that's, you know, part of what he's looking for is to max out and, you know, maybe winning isn't that important. But, you know, I would think it'd probably be a mix. I think if he could find a soft landing spot where he could go and help them win, but also continue to get uh, that, uh, you know, paid at top dollar. I think that would be his, his you know, his choice. But obviously, as we know, it's a business. And it all comes down to what teams are willing to pay him and what he's willing to accept.
2: Yeah, if there is a team out there willing to pay him top dollar, whether they're going to ready to win or not, uh, that seems like the likeliest landing spot. What do you read in the tea leaves about, for the first time in his career, being signing an agent yesterday?
4: What do you read in that? I think... Yeah, I think that reads that he knows this is going to be a, a, a difficult, you know, one, His the image is tarnished a little bit because of the PEDs last year. Uh, there are going to be probably some stipulations that, the, you know, the organizations are going to want to put in there, maybe some, some clauses or uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, incentives. So maybe this is maybe above his pay grade, and he might realize, hey, I might need a little help. And especially, you know, we all saw what happened with Lamar Jackson. This might be a little more of a difficult situation to do by itself. So he probably looked at it and thought, hey, let me go ahead and get some help on this one. This might be my last shot at that big contract. And and instead of doing it itself, like I said, especially with all the extending circumstances, he probably thought he might need a little help on this one.
1: We've also, you know, kind of read reports and seen things that when things aren't perfect – he can turn a little sour sometimes and be difficult to deal with. I'm curious, you know, this guy's always been the top dog, at, you know, the top of the pecking order at the receiver position on whatever team he's played for. That would change uh, if he goes to Buffalo. And I'm just wondering, you know, if he's wrapped his head around where he is at at this point in his career and if he'd be okay being a second fiddle to someone like a Stefan Diggs.
4: Absolutely. And the other thing that DeAndre is famous for, he does not like to practice. And, you know, over the last couple of years, especially here uh, in in Arizona, I was like, I marveled at how he was able to kind of dictate that. And going to a new organization, as you mentioned, he won't be the top dog. He will also be expected to get out there and do some of the things that he probably doesn't like to do practice and, as you mentioned, be second fiddle. And that happens when Father time starts to catch up with you. We all have to to make those decisions and be humbled a little bit. And maybe, you know, this, you, you in my opinion, I think with the humbling and kind of things, the way they've kind of transpired with him getting released by the Cardinals, the next team might benefit from that, meaning he might have something in his mind to prove. And also, you know, teams are looking for him to step up a little more, so you might get a better version of him that you've even had in the last couple of years here. I do think he is that type of dude that will rally instead of you know, turning and, and being even more difficult. I think he'll rally. So whatever team lands him, I think you're probably going to get an even better version than the Cardinals have gotten over the last couple of years. What has been the
2: most telling sign of DeAndre Hopkins turning 30? Has there been any?
4: You know, with the way things have gone the last couple of years here in Atlanta or Arizona, we did have that playoff season a couple of years ago, but this past season, it it was like, not not only did DeAndre take a few steps back and obviously he started off with the PD suspension, uh, the whole team, everything just, it just seemed like it just crumbled. And, you know, with, with DeAndre, it was almost like we expected more of him. And then even toward the end of the year when things were really getting tough and all of a sudden, I'm not going to say phantom injury, but at the end of the season, all of a sudden he's dinged for the last couple of games. And it was a little disappointing that he didn't want to ride it out and get out there and finish out the season. So, you know, I, I just think it's been it's, – it, the last season was really just – it's just been that bad. And hopefully for us out here in Arizona – we're looking to rebound. That it's not going to be a good season this year, but the organization hopefully is heading in the right direction by hiring Monty Austin for it again. And, but as far as DeAndre, like I said, I think the best thing for him is to put on some different colors this coming season, and 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 go try. To, it's almost like a PR thing for him. Go out there and 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 do better for himself and whatever organization he's playing for. But like I said, as I mentioned earlier, whoever gets him, you're still in get you're still getting one of those receivers. That is in the top five to ten out there. So he still has the ability. I I think just his experience here, the way it ended with the Cardinals, you know, kind of left a little bad stain on him. But I think he can he can wash that off.
1: Talking with Ed Smith, former NFL tight end, co-host of the Believe in Cardinals podcast, and Ed, I don't know, like you're you're kind of painting this picture about him and his daily habits, his weekly habits, you know, and you see the C on his chest, and it's like, well, hold on a second, like. It, Is a captain a guy that doesn't like to practice or maybe feigns injury at the end of the season when the team's out of the playoffs? How surprised are you that knowing that about him and his work ethic, that the Cardinals named him a captain? Does that just speak to how backwards everything was under the previous regime?
4: Absolutely. You know, and, you know, no no offense to Cliff Kingsbury, but he wasn't running a tight ship, ship out here. And over to his tenure... I just kept screaming about his leadership and how he kind of let the, the even some of the players kind of dictate things and run things, and that was just another example of it. You had a guy in DeAndre Hopkins, and you know it was really evident. And you know if if, if anybody even wanted to watch the Hard Knocks episodes from last year, you know you could see how players were, you know, and you know you you and know, I we come from a day when. You know, and I hate to be that old dude, but you know, when we ran practice, it was like snap. It was, you know, horn was on and you know, we were sprinting to next spots and different things like that. You know, just then it was evident in watching how Kingsbury ran even his practices where it was so laxadays go laid back. Guys were just standing around. And then like I said, you put a C on somebody's chest who's not even out there practicing, that says a whole lot about how, you know, things are being run around here. So it it you know, it's definitely gonna be Good to see things done a different way here. And as you mentioned, it was a little confusing as we came down the stretch. Uh, I do think DeAndre, like I said, it could be a blessing that all these things have happened to him, meaning the suspension, the way things came down at the end of last year, him being released instead of traded. He's going to be on a mission to redeem himself. So I do think you'll see a different version of him. But what we saw here, the last, you know, uh, especially last season was not indicative of a guy who uh you know garners his you know uh, respect and everything and you know like i said being a captain on a team
2: what would be in your opinion having seen him for the last three and a half years what would be the type of situation that would be perfect for him to land in
4: i do think it would be a bills uh you know a, a, a chiefs uh, someone a team that needs that last piece, Uh, That and and also has some other veterans on the team that he can gel with. I don't think he sent, I like if he was to go to a team that he's the dude and he's getting, you know, got a bunch of other guys looking up to him. I don't know if that's the perfect role for him because he could backslide into some of his old ways. Whereas you send him to a team like the Bills where it's already established, you got a quarterback who is not going to take any flack, but also, uh, you know, has earned his uh, stripes as well. I, I do think you. Plug and play. As far as plug and play, he's one of those guys. You can take him, put him into a great situation, uh, as long as, like I said, you have also leadership as far as coaching and other players that can make sure they uh, hold him accountable. I think he's perfect for that type of situation. And you know, being you know, where one of the possible destinations being the Bills, I think you guys would be a, an ideal uh, spot for him and his talent. Ed, thanks for the time, man. We
1: appreciate uh, you giving us some here and lending some insight into uh, DeAndre and what he's about at this stage in his career. Thanks much. Thanks, Ed.
4: You, you got it. Anytime you guys keep up the great work, man. Appreciate you right, having me on.
1: That's Ed Smith, co-host, Believe in Cardinals podcast, former NFL tight end, and uh, kind of lending some insight as to just what kind of receiver DeAndre Hopkins is at this stage of his career. Thinks so? he'll thinks he might be interested in winning overtaking um, the money.
2: anybody who was like there's a little bit of a chilling effect there considering it you know things were not going well in arizona yeah. last year it crumbled they fired their head coach oh, that place the gm's was a mess. gone it was a dumpster fire uh i don't think you can look at that and completely get a hundred percent of what deandre hopkins has to give from that situation hard um, to be the best version of yourself in arizona last year th- th- exactly that is exactly <laughs> it and i'm not so i, I I'm sitting here going, man, that doesn't sound all that good to get a guy like that, and maybe he's not. But putting my taking a minute as a former player and going back and putting myself in that position, yeah, that's that's about what I would have done too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you, I, a, it is, it's impossible to. I, it's almost impossible to relay the the emotions that go into that because you got a team that's trying to get ready to win. You're going to go into a physical confrontation every week where you, you know, there's a chance you're going to get hurt and or I mean at least be in pain because you get bumped or hit or tackled or knocked over or blocked or whatever or make a block or a tackle. And you kind of got to get your head around that it's you're going to be in a physical confrontation with some other dudes. And when you're out there practicing or watching practice, in this case, and there's so much going on, loose ship, kind of a not buttoned up organization. The, the head coach is kind of an offensive play caller, kind of wants to do that and doesn't really have the, you know, the edges trimmed up, you know. Mm-hmm. You're like going, dude, we need this you look around, you think this needs to change. That needs, you know, this guy needs to be a little, you know, you need to say something to this guy, somebody needs to say something to that guy, somebody needs to say something to that position group, somebody needs to, you know, that guy needs to pick it up a hair. And you see all that stuff going on, it's like, and I'm gonna go out there and take some guy on over this. It sounds simple. But man oh man, week twelve, week fourteen, head coach gone or whatever, about to be gone, or he's you can tell you've read read the newspapers and that and <laughs> you know dude, where it's headed. Man, I listen, I, I want to get through this in one piece, first and foremost. And once you get into that mind frame, you're done. Yeah. You're done. I I don't wanna practice. I just get me to the game, get me through the game, get me to the end of this season, and I'm gonna let them shake it out and try and get better. At levels that are above my pay grade, even though I'm making 19.45 million dollars a year, yeah. So that's, it's a bad scene when you get into a bad, unhealthy locker room where the head coach is fighting with the GM or, or, I don't know that that happened out there, but you see, you get the idea, the discord that's happening, when it starts to fall apart around you, and you're expected to perform at a high level, man. It, it's, yeah. I get it. I
1: get it. Would adding DeAndre Hopkins be more about helping the Bills or more about keeping him off of Kansas City's roster? Let's go back to the phones and to Richard in Arundecoy who's been waiting patiently. What do you got for us, Richard?
3: Well, I'm looking at the, the schedule this year and saying that we need all the help we can get. This is this is no pushover, even though we've got a good team. Um, and if... Hopkins can win a game or two, help win a game or two, it's worth an awful lot.
1: Yeah, you're you're right, Richard. It is a challenging schedule this year. The Bills have the seventh most difficult schedule based on last year's opponents' winning percentage. Even if you use some of the modern analytics, which assess roster strength of schedule based on more advanced principles that go beyond last year's one loss record of the opponent's it's still in the top 5 for being the toughest one of the tougher schedules in the league this year. So, yeah, your points well taken. You want all the help you can get when you're playing a tough a in tough a f-
2: schedule of opponents, but that changes week to week as we have seen. In a vacuum, good players make you better. And even if you just plug DeAndre Hopkins in and the guy at the bottom of the receiver list, whoever that might be, gets kicked off, you're better. Just because the guy's a better player than the guy you released, you know, schematically, D Hop has proven he has the ability to to play a number of different positions, be effective anywhere on the field. Move him anywhere you want. Get the ball. You throw the ball at him. He catches it. Let's go. He's one of those guys. The risk is a the money. What are you going to have to pay to get him in the door? And two, can he stay healthy through seventeen games? No, nah, not seventeen games theoretically 2021 20, games you want to get him to the playoffs and help you when you that's that's the holy grail you don't care if he plays good weeks one through eight and then gets hurt you need the guy weeks 12 through 22 you know you want him healthy for the super bowl parade bro sleeve so that's that's what you're risking for the
1: parade you can just it's, sit him up in a truck and have it's, him wave. The,
2: it's the money it's the money
1: and it's the phone. And
2: it's the fo- it's the money, and the risk of him getting hurt. Yeah, that's what it is. So, okay, he'll help you at least a little at some point, but I ain't going to pay ten million bucks for a guy that plays six games. I think the other dynamic here that we haven't even touched on, as
1: it pertains to the Bills anyway, is this is this is a coaching staff and an organization that is deeply invested in player development. We've seen it here with a number of different examples over the years under McDermott and Bean. And I have to believe knowing the investment that they make in young players to make them and get them better, that is part of the discussion here too because if Hopkins is on the roster, he's getting snaps and he's getting targets that that is inevitably going to compromise the development of younger players at the position, whether it's Khalil Shakir, whether it's, you know, shorter, whoever else you want to name, right, their development is going to be compromised by his presence on the roster. So now you have to ask the question, yes, he makes us better. But is it better enough to justify the cost of what we're robbing ourselves of which is development of player x who we really think can be something in a year well have we stunted his growth to now where he's he won't be helping us after deandre is right. long
2: gone right if you know what i'm saying that's exactly right just just bringing him here that has to be discussed right at, oh absolutely now there's nothing that says those guys are gonna are not going to get better even if they're DeAndre Hopkins is not in the building because they're going to have to play six days a week even if they don't play on Sundays. They're going to be practicing. They're going to be on the practice squad. They're going to be working, trying to get better. But there's nothing like game reps as a measuring stick, not only just for the coaches to see, hey, what do we need to develop this guy, but also the guy himself gets on the field and says, man, I, I ain't ready for this, or I want more. I'm going to do whatever it takes so I get more reps like this because this is awesome. Yeah, And I, I felt like that as a player. When I finally got a chance to play wide receiver, It was a it's a blast because you actually get a play all the time. Special teams, you play one play at a time, come off the field and sit down and drink some Gatorade. But when you got down in distance, these guys get on the field and they get into a rhythm. They start playing and it starts to feel good. And the, they start to look at the quarter. And it starts to get nice and normal to them. And they start to pick it up. It's a, it's a great spot to be in as a young player. But, man, oh, man, that's a big jump, getting on the field on a regular basis in an NFL game ahead of the rest of the guys on the roster. Right. That's a big leap, and you're right. Having a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, if he's healthy, he's ahead of you. Period. He's not sitting down. Right. And – Everybody has to weigh those options, the coaching staff, the players, what they mean, all of that. So it's you're right. It, it, when you get down into the nuts and bolts of it, this is what coaching and football and being on a team is all about. you got these dynamics that work about what a great player or formerly great player even means to the dynamics of who plays and who doesn't and when and how. It's big. I, this, this Hopkins thing has got a lot of legs. Yeah. It's got a lot of legs and a lot of layers to it. It's gonna be really interesting to watch it play out.
1: We have to step aside here, but we are still taking phone calls at 803-0550-1-888-550-2550. Would adding DeAndre Hopkins be more about helping the Bills or just keeping him off Kansas City's roster? You let us know at 803-0550-1-888-550-2550. We'll get over to the tweet sheet to get some comments from there as well. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Would adding DeAndre Hopkins be more about helping the Bills or keeping him off that Kansas City roster? You let us know at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Got an open line for you there. Wanted to dive into the tweet sheet, though. Uh, while we wait for you to call us up. And uh, tweet sheet, as always, brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And Taro leads us off with the following It's about helping Buffalo. If he goes to KC, it'll be like they never lost somebody the caliber of Hill, and their offense was more or less the same with and without him. That's not a slight against the wide receiver, it's a testament to the Kansas City system. Yeah. I get it. I <clears throat> we Kansas- who does he help more if he's on their roster? Does he help Kansas City more or does he help Buffalo more? Do you think? That's hard to say. It's it it is right. It's hard to say. They're they're talking in Kansas City like Kadarius Tony is going to be their number one receiver, which I think is risky. They're depending on Sky Moore to take another step. He did look good at the end of last year. Played really well in the playoffs. So I don't think that's outlandish. And you still have Marquez valdez Scantling, who I think at his best is a stretch-the-field guy that plays on the outside and not much else. Yeah, if you,
2: I always look, too, at the culture. If you look at it, the culture-wise, the and Chiefs – And they have Kelsey. The Chief, yeah, right. The Chiefs, <laughs> oh, that guy. You know, the Chiefs kind of don't care if a guy has a checkered past. Um, they kind of have those guys a lot. So uh, all the stuff we've been talking about, DeAndre Hopkins, about he didn't like to practice – Looked like he was malingering a little bit at the end of last year in Arizona, although that ship was on fire and was sinking anyway. So it's hard to hold that against him. But, however, he does have that reputation. He is the guy a little bit. No, he's the guy that everybody accused Stephon Diggs of being before he left Minnesota. So he seems to be a cultural fit more in Kansas City than he does in Buffalo where they've got guys like that Mm. or have had them in the past. Um, that doesn't mean that exactly what Ed Smith, the tight end, former tight end in the NFL and now the Believe Arizona card, we had him on the last segment, he said, you know, this is kind of the – Buffalo's kind of the fit where he would fit in. Solid veteran. He wouldn't have to be the lead dog. Have guys to show him the ropes. Strong leadership, strong coach. Buttoned up at the edges. You know what I mean? Got, a pro, you got things you got to do. We got a process that we follow here. Let's go get on board. Might be, it would no doubt be good for him, but would he subject himself to it? That's a, that's a real question. Yeah.
1: Let's go back to the phones and to Mark in West Seneca. What do you got for us, Mark? You're on One Bills Live.
5: Hey, Brownie. Hey, Steve. How are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, I think you guys started to touch on it a little bit. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind when all of this D Hop stuff started heating up was this is a decision that is not made in a vacuum. And the first thing that came to my mind is, well, we have Sherfield and, and Hardy, who we've committed cap dollars to. Uh, we have two fifth-rounders, one from last year, one from this year, that, in essence, where you drafted them, you've committed to bringing these guys in, developing them. And what happens if they start showing they, they deserve some opportunity and play on game day? You still have Diggs. You still have Knox, who are alpha dogs, in my opinion, who are going to demand their receptions. you got Gabe Davis, who's right there underneath both of them, who, um, if you're loyal to your players, uh, hopefully has a bounce-back year. And then on top of all of that, not even mentioning Kincaid, when they decided to make that pick, they obviously had thought about changing the offense or going to different sets that they have never really done or committed to in the past. Now, you bring a guy like T-Hop in, that at the very least is going to curtail some of that if you're deciding to do something like this. And I don't want them to get to a point where that draft pick is then moot, that it isn't going to be used extensively enough to really see what you got. So um, all of these things added up, and then on top of it, Add on what you guys just talked about, character-wise, which in my estimation, sort of surprisingly, doesn't eliminate him as a bill from the get-go. Um, I'm not too sure this is a good I- idea at all. Idea. Uh, I don't know what you guys think of that opinion, but that's where I'm at. So right. yeah, appreciate thanks. it, guys. Thanks, Mark. Take yeah, and
2: you're right. Here, here's the thing, too. If if D. if they do call D. Hop and he starts to, it starts to take shape. They'll be quick to say, "Here's what we envision you being for us. If you're okay with that, then let's sign it. But if not, we've got this. We've got a young tight end. We're going to do some twelve personnel this year. Uh, You're going to be at or above where Gabe Davis has been in this offense. I don't know if you're going to start in front of him or you're going to compete with him to play. We've got hardship, all that stuff. That stuff, his role will be ironed out before he gets here. They're not going to change." their vision for what the offense needs to go because D hop signs here, he gets added into the vision. So it's not going to, they don't have to derail their Dalton Kincaid plans or their, or their Hardy, the Deontay Hardy plans or, you know, the, the Shakir plans or Stefan Diggs. None of that stuff gets derailed. D hop gets added into it. Mm-hmm. So there's that for the first thing. And second thing is, you know, we talk about it a lot. Like I, if DeAndre Hopkins comes to Buffalo, and Ed Smith said it in the last thing, don't worry about him exploding the culture. You know, he's we're we talking about it makes it seem like a bigger deal. I don't think the guy is a bad guy at all. I think his teammates like him. I think they play hard with him. The I think culture here is strong enough, they just absorb it. They right? would, they would, I think he would fit in here, and I think a guy like D Hop, now certainly it's got it's on him. But he could thrive in a joint like this. I don't know if that he's ever had it, a, a culture in the pros as good as it is here in Buffalo. I don't know that it was that good in Houston with Bill O'Brien. And I know it wasn't in Arizona. But I think it might be a breath of fresh air that he really likes here. And he might flourish, at least culturally. Might flourish in structure, yeah. Right. So uh, there's that op- opportunity or possibility as well. So... And I'll say it again. It's as basic as this: a good DeAndre Hopkins, even at this age, is still a very good player, and good players make you better. Mm. So he would help the Bills, particularly if he stays healthy for seventeen games. If he's got all that, he'll evolve into a larger role, just because of his production.
1: Jack on the tweet sheet says, this is a chicken or the egg conversation. Helping Allen and Buffalo's offense makes us better to beat the Chiefs and keep them from adding another stud from Mahomes to beat us with. To beat KC, you may have to run a track meet, and the more weapons you have, the better off you are. Get it done. We do know what the prevailing conversation was at the end of the playoff run last season.
2: Needed some guys. You
1: got to keep up on offense. It's an arms Your race. Your defense could be one of the best in the league, which Buffalo's was statistically, and it didn't mean a hill of beans when it came to the playoffs. You got to score points, yeah. and so the prevailing opinion for Bills fans and even for us was, you've got to load up on offense so you can keep pace, or if not, yeah, boat race them mm-hmm. and win the race. Yeah,
2: that's right. You, that was what I think. What so we were talking at, about two months ago? I think that's where we're at if they, you know, if they score on you, if they've got a good defense, it did not it shouldn't matter. It, ha- it can't matter. You got to you got to load up and you got to you got to boat race these guys in this at the AFC. That's the trend where the league is headed. That's why you draft a tight end like Kincaid and you sign all these guys and you try and get faster guys and and Darts get offensive catch you, guys and you, and you go in and get a big offensive line, more athletic offensive line, all of that stuff. They've had a top-five defense over the last four years, and it's gotten them nothing except a nice ranking at the end of the year. It's You get to Kansas City, you don't care if they – do. you don't let, let them run up and down the field, but all you need to do is a tipped interception or pass. You know, Greg Rousseau had a tipped pass in the regular season, his rookie season, against Mahomes, in the regular season. Tipped pass interception. He took off running. He got tackled right away. People forget about that. Oh, that's what. That's a defense you need in Kansas City. Yeah, you don't you need, need a stifling run defense. A takeaway defense that gets extra possessions right. for your offense. You need a tackle for loss defense and a sack defense and a turnover defense. I don't need... A no yards, you know what, a 2.5 yards per rush defense. Nobody ben, runs the ball. Bend but don't break defense. You don't need a bend but don't break defense. You need a defense that's like, oh, tipped interception. Oh, there you go. And we had you had six guys running open, but we got the ball. Yeah, that's kind of what you need. A little bit of good fortune. I get all that. But you need some playmakers, in my opinion. I think, and I don't know how you scheme for that. I, I don't know anything about that. But they got a new Defensive coordinator, they're going to have a new guy call him plays. And this is a defense that was very, very, very good, but very unspectacular. Yeah, It wasn't a playmaking defense. That would be nice.
1: David on the tweet sheet says, KC doesn't need him or any major receiver to be a threat. Reed, Mahomes, and Kelsey. So long as they're there, KC needs only role players. Buffalo doesn't need him either as two alpha-wide receivers can sometimes be too much. If Kincaid can be that safety blanket and middle threat, you're done. Yeah. Now you're hoping for a lot from a rookie, and I'm not saying Kincaid isn't capable of it. Uh, I have high hopes for Kincaid as well. But we've seen rookies get incorporated into this offense or defense very methodically. <laughs> Drips and drabs, yeah. yeah. it It's a slow drip. It yeah. is not a flow. Does it change because Kincaid shows you so much in training camp in the preseason that you have no choice but to put him out there because he is showing Could be that much of a difference? That could happen, but those examples have been few and far between in the McDermott era. So to automatically assume that that's going to happen and he's going to catch 60, 70 balls, look – in two years, I think Kincaid's an 80-catch-a-year guy. Is that happening in his rookie year? That I'm not so certain about.
2: Right. That's right. I'm, we don't know what this offense is going to look like. Second year of Ken Dorsey, new tight end toy, maybe some different personnel combinations that we've had. James Cook coming out of the backfield, Deontay Hardy, Davis, Diggs, Knox, all these guys, uh, it's a new mix. Of skill position players, plus a new offensive line as well, or some some important pieces in the offensive line. We don't know what all this is going to look like, and and Ken Dorsey said it yesterday, and we and it was talked about a lot in the media. They don't know what Dalton Kincaid's going to give them yet. They're still finding out about him, and it's going to take some. It takes time, but you know the early returns are. This guy's going to get a chance to see the field. If he does, you know I don't. I don't this is you know you need the guy to have targets. You got to find it out and get him the ball, as well as your number one guy in digs. The more guys that can match up, the better. And D Hop has always been a matchup guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And our you know our conversation today is you know what do you think the guy if the guy comes in and can play. Nobody's going to squawk if somebody's got to sit down. You can only you can't add him to all those guys on the field. You can only play eleven guys, so somebody will sit down. D hops in. Is he better than the guy you sat down? Yes, most probably so. No question about it. Get him on the field, yeah, and then see what they can do. Um, it, it, there's no question. It's coming down to the risk involved and the money you got to put in. Break time for us here. When we come back, some final thoughts on the tweet sheet, maybe squeeze in a phone call as well.
1: Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Back here on One Bills Live, let's uh, jump back into the phone, squeeze a phone call in from Dave in Florida. What do you got for us, Dave? How
3: are you guys doing today? Good. I've uh, Just as one uh, question. Switch, if you could, it's imaginary. If you could switch Josh Allen with Pat Mahomes, switch teams. Now, you got Deion Hopkins wants to play here or there. Which one would you rather take?
1: Well, you're taking Andy. I believe you, it. you would go Andy. with
3: I, – I think you'd rather take Hopkins and – josh right in buffalo wouldn't you
1: well you're taking andy Reid out of the equation who i think has to be a factor here to be quite honest i mean he's one of the best he's probably arguably the best play caller of his generation of coaches um so that that's kind of a tough that's a tough hypothetical for me because you're taking a big factor out of it in my estimation
3: right and i'm trying to put a factor into it is what i'm trying to do yeah but that's all I got, guys. I know you got to wrap it up. Yeah, no
2: yeah, thanks, problem. Dave, that's a tough for one calling. for me, that's, Dave. That is, that's that's a good question. It's a tough one for me. It's a really good question. Because we don't have any history with Pat Mahomes on our team. You know what I mean? Yeah. With Josh, we kind of got two Super Bowls, We're though. invested in Josh, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally – you know, all that stuff. So, it's hard. yeah, that's a really good question. It's hard to divest yourself of all that baggage that you've loaded into this team and this franchise and that guy. Well, Hopkins himself said Josh Allen was number one on his list when he
1: talked on that I Am Man. Athlete podcast last week. Josh Allen was the first guy he mentioned.
2: Listen, so. when Josh pl- – and jo- those players see the same thing the fans see and Bill's fans see when they see Josh play. That guy will, will jump in front of a truck to win a game. And players will say, "Man, I'll, I'll play with a guy like that. Yep. because that's how I want to play. I'll do that for a guy who will do it for me." And Josh, you know, he's he does that yep. on a regular basis.
1: Andrew on the tweet sheet says, "It's about helping the Bills. How are they going to double Steph with D. Hop and Davis running around, or Cook for that matter? Please sign this man!" Three exclamation points. May have to I wait till post June first. I it get might it. be. Yeah. It might come down to that. Yeah. And saving some cap money.
2: It'll be interesting. I, I, who knows where We're he's going to Putting it land, on next but, year. Uh, you
1: know this, his career's not over. This is true. We'll keep waiting with bated breath. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock when we have ESPN's Bill Barnwell joining us. We'll see you then.